said. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Money Wise Radio Show with the Money Guys. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Ray. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> now that we've gotten through that, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to what we're going to call the 4th of July weekend, because this is actually the weekend that precedes the 4th of July, which is in midweek this year. So we're going to get right into our topic because we're going to do something really unusual today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to give you some background about the American Revolution, and then we're going to be actually reading in its entirety the Declaration of Independence, which was unanimously declared by the 13 colonies on July 4, 1776. And I don't know about you, Phil, but I haven't read this document probably since high school. Here, too. And how about you, Pete? Do you know when you read it last? Probably the same, but even for me, that was 20 years ago, so I don't remember. And if that's the case, I'm sure that you can't remember the last time. No. What I found really <laughs> especially amazing about this document, Phil, is how, how real and relevant and vibrant it is today. And in some ways, when you think about all the crazy things that are happening in our country today, and I'm not suggesting we have a new revolution by any means, mm-hmm. but... It's just as relevant today as it was relevant back in 1776 when this was adopted by, by Congress, by the Continental Congress. 237 years ago, and I only know that because I was born in 1976, so I just have to add 200. But it speaks to the brilliance of which this was written, how relevant it is today. And, you know, something like that I don't think we have done today to do anything of its equal. No, and I don't think any other country in the world has done anything similar to this remarkable document. So we're, we're asking, ladies and gentlemen, that when we get to that part where we read the Declaration of Independence, to please pay um, careful attention and listen carefully because this is about you and your country, and it's just really a remarkable document. I'm going to begin, as usual, with a quick quotation from Benjamin Franklin, who uh, had a a, a lot to do with our Declaration of Independence. And uh, it simply says, do not fear mistakes. You will know failure. Continue to reach out. Mm -hmm. Ben Franklin, I think, is probably one of the most quoted people in this country, maybe next to Mark Twain. But he just has some incredible things to say. I think we're going to do very few um, plugs, if you will, but just a reminder that this show is brought to you by USA Wealth Group. And Pete, please tell the folks where we're located. Sure, absolutely. Uh, we are located on Fonts Corner Road in North Dartmouth, 352 Fonts Corner Road. Um, a lot of the ladies might know that it's right next to, um, just before the uh, Vanity Fair outlets on the other side of the street. And um, a lot of the guys know that the the gym and Route 6 Marine are on the same side of the street right next door to us. Boy, that was a sexist comment. <laughs> well, it's very true. Your wife goes there all the time, doesn't she? No, it's just one of many places that she goes. <clears throat> well, let's begin and talk about this very important time in our nation's history. And uh, we are going to celebrate Fourth of July with picnics and outdoor events and fireworks and so forth. But not too many people, I suspect, actually think about what was going on in our country at the time that the Declaration of Independence was granted. 
First of all, the colonies were considered to be colonies of Great Britain. Great Britain was run by a king. I don't remember the king's name, but I'm sure somebody can probably tell me. King George II, I'm told, by somebody who just whispered in my ear. And what I had forgotten is that we think of what happened to events in Massachusetts on what we call now Patriots Day, which was April 19th, 1775. That actually, those events actually occurred a little more than a year before the Declaration of Independence. So some of the things that happened between uh, the burning of Charleston, where they lost 400 homes and a number of people killed in the battle on the Lexington Green on Patriots Day in 1775, and I'm not a historian, but I had forgotten about the time sequence. Some of the things that happened is that the colonies were under a lot of suppression by Great Britain and King George II, and we had ambassadors in London trying to work out a more sensible arrangement, trying to negotiate a more favorable tax situation, some representation, and a lot of things hadn't happened even. Even the Battle of Lexington hadn't occurred. And one of my favorite characters in history, as you know, is Benjamin Franklin, and I like to quote from him uh, often. But he actually arrived back in um, the United States, having been unsuccessful in London to try to negotiate a resolution of all the differences. And he said, I'm reading from his autobiography, I found at my arrival all America from one end of the 13 United Provinces to the other, busily employed in learning the use of arms, all trade and business, building, improving, being at a stand, and nothing thought of but arms. The attack upon the country people near Boston, that was the Battle of Lexington and Concord in 1775, uh, by the army had roused everybody and had exasperated the whole continent. And then he went on to say that the Massachusetts governor had called an assembly to propose a plan to oppose the British. Uh, that hadn't really uh, taken place yet. And he also said um, the Continental Congress was meeting at that point. Uh, I guess they met uh, first in Albany, and then I think later they met in um, Pennsylvania, but I'm not going to be pinned down to that particular detail. He said, the Congress met at a time when all the minds were exasperated by the perfidy of General Gage, the British general, and his attack on the country people, the burning of our houses and our seaport towns, and other treacherous conduct. Without the least necessity, they barbarously plundered and burnt a fine, undefended town opposite to Boston called Charleston, consisting of about 400 houses Many of them elegantly built, some sick, aged, and decrepit poor persons who could not be carried off in time, perished in the flames. So we don't really think about those events that led up to the Declaration of Independence. Right. But even after those difficult acts, uh, there was a great effort made to try to work out a peace with Great Britain and see if we could coexist and get along. And of course, as we know, that didn't occur. And Benjamin Franklin went on to write that um, Britain had one more chance to recover a friendship of the colonies. They didn't have enough sense to embrace that and thus had lost the colonies forever. We were preparing and determined to run all risks rather than to comply with her mad demands. This is Ben Franklin writing. 
As Britain began to use force, it seemed absolutely necessary that we should be prepared to repel force with force. It is a true old saying that make yourself sheep and the wolves will eat you, to which I may add another, God helps them that helps themselves. Wow. So some of these expressions we've heard over the years, and they're just as meaningful and powerful today as they were when he wrote these things. And this was before the Declaration of Independence. Right. So we had all these terrible things that occurred right in our backyard in Massachusetts, and then Ambassadors were sent. Uh, ben Franklin spent a great deal of time meeting with various lords in Parliament in London and trying to see if they could find some reconciliation, but it simply wasn't going to be possible at that time. There were some earlier drafts written of the Declaration of Independence. Um, another thing that uh, Ben Franklin wrote was, this is in June, this is be a whole year before the Declaration of Independence. He said, in June, I was asked to assist in preparation of a Declaration of Independence before the Congress for a final separation from Great Britain. It has always been my opinion that it is the natural right of men to quit when they please the society or state in the country in which they were born and either join with another or form a new one as they may think proper. The Saxons thought they had this right when they quitted Germany and established themselves in England. So I had written a draft of a resolution to Congress along these lines in late 1775, and he goes on to talk about that. So what I'm trying to convey is the fact that the Declaration of Independence was something that went on for quite a while before it was formally written and formally established. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point he says, um, this is interesting too. While recovering from the boils and the gout, I was asked by Mr. Thomas Jefferson, the author of the draft of the Declaration, to peruse it and suggest such alterations as necessary. I made some small revisions, striking the words sacred and undeniable and replacing them with self-evident so as to read, we hold these truths to be self-evident. So that's a phrase that comes right from of Ben course. Franklin. Mm -hmm. And I had never known that before until I was reading the autobiography. Um, let me bring this back to the present just a little bit because I don't want to just keep reading materials from the book and, and having it be a little dry. Um, again, thinking about, our, thinking about our current society today and things that are happening, once in a while I think it's useful to look back and realize how this country was founded and the fact that um, so many important people, popular names, had a, a great deal to do with it. And we don't think about those things anymore. For example, um, Peter or Phil, do you have any idea what the great seal is of the country, of our country? The great seal with the uh, eagle. and Yes, uh, the, the American eagle. Holding the, uh, the um, wheat in its talons. Right. Right. Benjamin Franklin originally proposed that it ought to be a rattlesnake. Hmm. As, as the Great Seal, uh, which, of course, that didn't happen. That's probably not a bad idea. Hmm. Um, but he proposed the design of various things. They, they were actually thinking um, of what would be a popular seal to have for the country. That was done pretty much at the same time they passed the Declaration of Independence. They signed the really? Declaration of Independence. Ray, would you say the Declaration of Independence, being a lawyer and keeping it in the present-day sense, is a declaration of divorce. Oh, sure. This is 
telling Great Britain it's king, we are divorcing you. It's that, and it's also much more than that in many ways. It's also basically saying that men have a right to be free, and they have a right not to be oppressed. And those are great concepts, because the country, the colonies at that time, were very much oppressed by the government of England. And um, I'm going to tell you a couple of things um, also about Ben Franklin. Um, as, as you know, he was uh, very significant in the creation of the United States. Uh, later, when open warfare developed between the American colonies, then the United States, as they had declared themselves to be, uh, Ben Franklin went on a mission to France. And it's probably known uh, popularly that he had a good time with the ladies, but he was also very successful in persuading the French to financially support the Americans and the American Revolution. And they did it with men, they did it with arms and equipment, and they did it with money that helped to pay the soldiers mm -hmm. who fought under the Continental Congress. Now, why would France find it in their interest to do that? Well, I'm not sure I'm a proper authority to speculate on that, but I know they didn't care much for Britain, for right. one thing. And uh, they probably had designs on part of the land in the American colonies, which we know they did. The land in Louisiana, which later we purchased as the Louisiana Purchase, mm -hmm. um, what probably 50% of the known United States land area at the time. But um, they, they did strike up a remarkable alliance, and without the financial support of France and the arms and the troops, we would not have won the American Revolution. We'd all be speaking with British accents today. <laughs> That's right. So Ben Franklin was responsible for that, really. Ben Franklin was not only instrumental in trying to keep the peace before the full warfare actually broke out. He was instrumental in the Declaration of the Independence and in helping to write it. It was authored primarily by Thomas Jefferson, as we know. But he had a, certainly a, a, a bit major role in helping to revise it and edit it. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence from Pennsylvania. And then he was a major force in bringing in the money, the financial support that helped finance the war, without which we would not have won our freedom. Interesting. So he was a fascinating character. And, and he wrote a lot, which is why he's such a great quotable guy. But... Um, other countries, uh, after his death, he died, by the way, in 1790, uh, honored him. Uh, Pennsylvania honored him. France honored him. And um, several other places did as well. But without the um, French forces in Yorktown, uh, George Washington would not have beaten the British at Yorktown, which was the final important battle in the Revolution. Absolutely. Those forces would not have been there had it not been for Ben Franklin. So I won't go into his description of why he thought the rattlesnake was an appropriate image for the great seal, except that he did say that the rattlesnake's eyes are always open, and it only strikes back when it's threatened, and it's not normally uh, an aggressive animal to go after people. It only fights when it has to fight. And he kept using those kinds of analogies as to say that's why a rattlesnake should be uh, the, the main image. Hmm. And um, I thought that was kind of it interesting. Is. I think one of the states picked up the rattlesnake with the don't tread on me. 
Right, the yes. don't tread on me. Mm-hmm. Probably Texas. Um, Although the, I don't the, know. The rattlesnake was uh, evident there. Mm-hmm. Somebody uh, just posted something uh, in our, on our Marine, Marine Corps League uh, website about the, the snake being an original symbol of the United States and the don't tread on me. And, hmm. uh, yes, I, exp- I don't remember what state history. it was, but there, there, was, there is a state. It, it might have even possibly been was, New Hampshire. I thought it was New Hampshire, yeah. Uh, that's what I thought, but I'm not a historian either, right? Well, I was reading some of this material uh, the other day, and I thought, this is most interesting. And um, maybe we should have kept the rattlesnake image. <laughs> it was Vermont and the Green Mountain Boys. Oh, thank you. Go. Thank goodness for Google on an iPhone. <laughs> thank goodness for Peter. Oh, or Elf. either that or a, a, a secret guest history buff. Well, okay. Well, um, we do want to read the Declaration of Independence, and we want to do that without interruption. So I need to try to figure out what kind of time we might have before we take a break and get into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could read all day from Ben Franklin. We know. <laughs> we can uh, maybe go another few minutes and then take a break. All right. That and, sounds like uh, a good idea. And, uh, you know, Ben Franklin uh, wrote some things about breaking relations with Great Britain, and he, he gave the analogy it was like a China vase. And he said it was impossible to think of submission to a government, the English government, that had, with the most wanton barbarity and cruelty, burnt our defenseless towns in the midst of winter, excited the savages to massacre our farmers. And that's something the British did also. They actually organized Indians to go and attack settlers and colonists. And our slaves to murder their masters and brought foreign mercenaries to deluge our settlements with blood. These atrocious injuries extinguished every remaining spark of affection for that parent country we once held so dear. Long I had endeavored with unfeigned and unwearied zeal to preserve from breaking that final, fine and noble China vase, the British Empire, for I knew that once broken, the separate parts could not retain even their share of strength or value that existed in the whole. So what he's saying basically is that he knew that once the American colonies formally broke with Britain, it would be something that would probably occur in other parts of the world as well. And again, I'm not a history buff enough to know whether uh, that actually happened. But um, he had numerous references, by the way, Peter, to the Marines uh, in his writings, which might better endear you to him. I think he's a great man. I just I think that people listening to the show every week are either going to love him that much more or be very turned off to him by now. We'll see. We'll take a poll. Well, I think that no, he was a great, obviously great man, and yeah. one of the most interesting you know people in all of history. So a couple of quick dates to remember are that um, the Battle of uh, Lexington in Massachusetts occurred on April 19, 1775. But it wasn't until July 4th of 1776, a year and a quarter later, that the Continental Congress actually assembled to issue the Declaration of Independence. And during that time period in between, there was really a great effort to try to reconcile with Great Britain and try to force Great Britain to stop doing all the things they were doing. But the, the British at that time were just not receptive to listening to it all and didn't think that the American colonists 
had the strength or the guts or the values to really stand up and fight them successfully, mm-hmm. which they did, of course, and uh, thankfully for today. Um, ben Franklin uh, was more of a scientist than anything else, and his interests in life were not really politics or fighting or war, but really science, and everything that he did was to em- employ uh, you know, scientific studies. Even after the war was over and the Congress was set up and so forth. And um, he was also very interested in, in saving money. And that relates to part of our interest as well, you know, at USA Wealth Group, because um, he did some elaborate calculations on the power of compounding money. And it bears fruit even today. And he was able to calculate what money would grow to. And right here in Massachusetts, we have the Ben Franklin Foundation. I know that um, attorney Ron Peener at one point sat on the board of directors of that organization in Boston. And what Ben Franklin did in his will, which is also in this book, it's a fascinating will to read it. And it's written in great narrative form. He left um, 100 pounds to the city of Philadelphia and he left 100 pounds to the city of Boston and he gave specific instructions for how the money would be used for charitable purposes and how it would be invested. And then he did calculations on how much money that should grow to become in 100 years and in 200 years. So he was actually thinking ahead of how far that money would compound out. And I want to let you know wow. that I knew a few years ago when I had talked to Ron Peter about that organization, the Boston organization had over $4 million. That From that one 100-pound investment. Yes. Well, tell us the title of the book that you're referring to, and uh, who wrote it, and who's the publisher? It's called The Completed ED Autobiography by Benjamin Franklin. Now, I have a serious question for you. How is my name not Benjamin or maybe Frank? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I wasn't thinking very frugally at the time that you were born, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> But his will is very fascinating, and uh, it was interesting to read, you know. Uh, he was also, as you may know, um, a master mason. He was involved in Freemasonry. Absolutely. Uh, he was grand master of masons in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He had just so many, many interests. And, um, but uh, he went into some detail about his plan for leaving the money of $100. By the way, mm-hmm. Boston had a much, has had a much more successful um, experience in making sure that money continued to compound and grow than Philadelphia has. So Philadelphia, as far as I can remember, had less than a million dollars. I wonder why. And Boston had over four million dollars. Hmm. That's right. Go Boston. <laughs> so, but uh, interesting. He would have the managers of the donation uh, to the town of Boston lay out at their discretion 100 pounds in public works, which may be judged for general utility, mm-hmm. fortifications, and so forth. So he thought about this a lot. Um, right after the break, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I know this may be of interest to some. I hope it's of interest to many. We're going to take turns actually reading the full Declaration of Independence. We're going to ask you to listen to it. It'll take about 8 to 10 minutes to go through it. And like most people, I suspect, you haven't heard this document read before or haven't read it for a long time. So shall we take a short break and then we'll go into that? Absolutely. Don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. A very meaningful second half of this program will continue in just a moment. 
Welcome back to Money Wise Radio Show, a special edition. As in this segment, uh, we are going to read to you the Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4th, 1776. But first, Ray and Peter, this is a fabulous idea to share the wisdom and the power of this document with our listeners. Well, just as a quick reminder to, um, to everybody who's listening, as you do something on 4th of July, which is on a Thursday this year, just think back about what you might have heard on this show about the Declaration of Independence. And do remember, as I was just reminded, that the Declaration of Independence is not the same as the Constitution of the United States. They're two separate documents entirely. So the Constitution is a living document uh, that periodically has amendments. The Declaration of Independence is the formal legal document that basically declared that we were no longer uh, part of Great Britain. We were separate and distinct. But let's let the document speak for itself. Phil, why don't you begin? The Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4th, 1776. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. 
He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of uncomfortable and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions of the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payments of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us, in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the form of our government, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, dissolution, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy 
the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by a repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Declaration of Independence. How beautiful, how meaningful, and how powerful. You know what's especially interesting is to read it out loud. Absolutely. Well, it brings it, it to life. It's interesting, uh, and I hope that you all found that interesting as well. I, I thought that this might not be a great idea, and listening to you two reading it and reading uh, my parts, uh, I found it very interesting, and uh, our history buff in the room uh, wrote something that uh, I had already been thinking, but it's very true that uh, the entire Declaration of Independence is directed directly and personally at a king, king George uh, II. at one person, 
uh, and they were committing high acts of treason by writing this document, and they would have been, you know, they literally would have had their heads taken off if uh, the British had won. And that's what I was thinking. I, I don't know if I've ever read the Declaration of Independence. If I had, it was certainly at, at least in high school 20 years ago. And uh, I found it very powerful, and, and I instantly recognized that it was all directed directly at, uh, at one person. You know, I've read this again uh, several times, Phil, in connection with thinking about the radio show for this morning and for today. And there's so many pieces of this that have application to just current events that are going on in our country today. Absolutely. And, you know, the right to have a trial by jury. We see jury trials going on in several parts of our country today. Uh, the right to be heard, the right to be represented, the right not to be, uh, the right to be not taxed without representation. We've just gone through an election, an orderly election in the state of Massachusetts to elect a United States Senator. And we are a nation of laws. But as, as Peter said, uh, this was an act of high treason for the signers of the Declaration to sign this document. And they would have all been executed immediately had they been caught. Uh, interestingly, some of the signers of the Declaration, there were 56 people who signed this document initially, uh, there were five from Massachusetts, including John Hancock, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, and Eldridge Jerry. You know, all famous names in the history of, of this uh, Commonwealth. Then, of course, from uh, Pennsylvania, a number of people that are well known, including Benjamin Franklin. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Have to give a plug to Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> But there were so many people who were really very brave, not only intending to keep the peace, but then when that was no longer possible, putting together a document for all the world to see. The other thing that I'm aware of in my small readings and small knowledge of history is that not everybody in the colonies was in favor of declaring war on Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And not everybody in this country was in favor of the Declaration of Independence. There were just as many loyalists loyal to the British crown as there were the people who felt that the time for loyalty was over and a new country needed to be born. Yes. So just a remarkable time. It would be, uh, I think if I had to go back in history and, or back in time, that's the one time that I would have liked to have seen oh, to really bet. see exactly what was going on. As we said uh, at uh, prior time, I don't think in these modern times we have created anything of the equal of the Declaration of Independence or the United States Constitution. No, and, and uh, it might be a good thing to have Congress sit aside a half an hour and maybe read the Declaration of Independence. And <laughs> so, no, that's not a bad thought. It probably it's should not be a read. Bad thought uh, at all. <laughs> it probably should be read in schools. It probably should be read in Congress. Surely. And just remind people of where we began and what our country went through. By the way, I have a very nice um, reprint of the actual script version of the Declaration of Independence on one side. Then on the other side is a, a more modern print version of it that's easier to read. And it shows who all the signers are. If anybody listening is interested, call the office. Give us your information. We'll be happy to make copies of this and send this out to you. What a nice gift that would be. It's all free. Uh, just call 508-998-8800. It's a wonderful thought. Well, I think we're done. No. <laughs> <laughs> no the, the, the interesting thing is that this is such a powerful document that when you do this, I mean, for me, 
reading it is yes. an emotional experience. Absolutely. And um, in some ways it's hard to go on, but let's try to talk about a few other more mundane topics and shift gears just a little bit to talk about um, your own financial independence mm -hmm. because that's just as important. Uh, I think people in general don't want to be dependent upon the government if they, if they don't have to be, whether it's nursing home care or whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be. I mean, clearly some people have to subsist from government assistance, but at the same time, I think most people would prefer to be independently uh, on their own. Peter, why don't you just uh, make, as a quick transition, just describe to people what we do and where we're located. Sure. Uh, we're located on Fonts Corner Road, 352 Fonts Corner Road. And for the um, men who like to shop for clothes, it's right near the Vanity Fair outlet. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's uh, the phone number is five zero eight nine nine eight 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 five eight, and we don't ever charge to have you give us a call or sit down and uh, and meet with us. Now, Peter, can you redo that, but with an English accent, please? Because <laughs> hello, Governor. <laughs> we we would have had we would have had that English <laughs> accent. <laughs> That's cockney. Um, well, let me, let me mention a couple of things. I, I did mention that. Ben Franklin was not only uh, a, an extremely important person in the history of our country, both in trying to keep us from going to war and then in helping to raise the funds that allowed us to win the war, but a, a participant in the Declaration of Independence and the formation of our government. But he was a very frugal man. He had his own printing press. Um, he, I believe he invented the post office system, the system of delivering mail, if I'm not mistaken. He did so many, many things, but he was just as frugal in taking care of his own money as he was in every other area of his life, very careful, just a fascinating man. And I mentioned earlier the fact that he left money for Philadelphia and for Boston and did the actual calculations to figure out how much value that would compound to. And he was fairly close as far as Boston was concerned because he was calculating in the millions of dollars, even back more than 200 years ago. Was there inflation back then? or No, it's not so much inflation as he was figuring out the compounding value mm -hmm. of money. And right. it goes to one of the things that we talk about often, which is pay yourself every week and put yes. some money aside so that you can be independent later because right. money has a value in, in how it compounds and accumulates. The time value of money is very important, and that's what he was getting to. And he did that without calculators, adding machines, computers, or anything else. He did this all purely mechanically, you know, in hand. Brilliant. So when we think about the values uh, that are contained in the Declaration of Independence, um, there are things that I think are important for everybody. You want to be as independent as possible. You want to make a plan. You'd like to be financially independent. And you have to start as early as possible. Uh, we've helped people sometimes set up plans, savings plans for grandchildren, sometimes four and five and six years old. And as a quick example, if you put money aside very early for a young child, when they reach college age, they're going to have a college fund. Mm -hmm. Or a young adult child, we've told people often, don't just make a gift of some cash to your children. Put it in something that's going to grow for them, you know, like a life insurance product as an example. And if that's done for even a modest period for, say, 10 years, that can become a separate retirement fund 
later for the children. So start early. Um, protect what you have accumulated and earned. Protect your house. Uh, protect your savings and your principal especially. Our number one rule when we talk with clients is, yes, you have to invest and you have to make some money, but don't lose the principal. Yes. Invest in the kinds of things that are going to make sure that you're not going to lose principal. Pay yourself first is a very, very important rule. Put something aside every single week. I met just a day or so ago with some people, and they're getting near retirement, and I have to be very careful how I say this. They're spending $50 a month to a charitable cause, and that's admirable and useful, but these people haven't put aside enough money for retirement purposes. And I said, you really ought to think about getting rid of that charitable contribution you're doing and start putting aside some money for your own retirement because you're not going to have enough if you don't. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people get blindsided and start doing something on one hand, like for charity, which is admirable and wonderful, but maybe they're not doing enough to take care of their own selves. And you have to have a budget, and you need to do some planning. Yep, and we always talk about planning, and the earlier you plan, uh, usually the better it is for you, the more money you can uh, save up and and earn, Um, and it's never too early to to do something. We always tell people that you've got to start doing something now, and uh, you'll feel so much better about yourself by starting on your goals, and and we're there to help. We're happy to help. And... We think it's important for people to leave a legacy, if at all possible. Ben Franklin did it with the city of Philadelphia, the city of Boston. He really had the foresight to think about how much would this be worth someday. You can do this yourself if you do planning. So our message today is to declare your own financial independence on Independence Day. We hope that hearing the reading of the Declaration of Independence was valuable to you. Maybe it made you think a little bit about what this country stands for, what our earlier forefathers went through. Uh, We invite everybody to enjoy the 4th of July. Take a few minutes to remember the people who founded our nation, who declared our own independence from the country of Great Britain, who fought and helped to create this great nation. And folks, if you get a chance, why don't you call 508-998-8800 and tell the wonderful folks there how much you enjoy this program. Many of you stop me on the street and uh, tell me personally, but hearing from you directly would be wonderful. And also, call and ask for your free copy of uh, the Declaration of Independence in its original script and then on the uh, reverse side in easier-to-read uh, type. And remember, each and every Sunday at this time, it is a pleasure to be with these mentors, with these educators, with these protectors who want only the very, very best for you and your family and all that you own. Remember, too, that the program is brought to you by our very good friends at USA Wealth Group. And, Phil, um, as you enjoy your 4th of July, enjoy your, your new grandchildren. And likewise. Being born probably as we speak or just recently. <laughs> and um, blessings on you and your family and everybody Thank listening. You Thank you so very much to you and your family and to you, ladies and gentlemen, as we uh, will look forward 
to having you back with us next week on WBSM for the Money Wise Radio Show.